It's your radio sisters. I'm Rachel. I'm Bo. And I'm Allie Cat. Well, we're singers, songwriters, and sisters. And if you're curious about the creative process like we are, stick around right here. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories and interviews from the world's biggest stars and most creative minds. You'll take away artistic gems to fuel your own creative process and get that project started already. Or get the mojo to keep on going. That's right. It's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. Well, today it's all about staying open and taking those baby steps toward your goal. It's Rachel here with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie, and we're so glad you're along here with us for the next hour on the Mulberry Lane Show. That's right, and today you're going to hear from a handful of guests who have walked the walk, and today they're going to talk the talk right to you. So pull up a chair. Mm-hmm. Plenty of room here for you at the Mulberry Table. Let's get to it, sisters. The Mulberry Lane Show's on Celebrity Story Songs You're gonna have it going on When we tell you who's stopping by now Hang out for part two of our interview With Robert Lamb of iconic band Chicago You're the meaning in my life You're the Chicago has sold over a hundred million albums. They have two Grammys, two American Music Awards, and the only band to have top hits in six different decades. Wow, so musically impressive. And today, Robert shares the very cool story behind the writing of Saturday in the Park. And Robert also opens up on what it takes to stay creative during the busy years of life. Okay, sisters, who's next? Well, then you're going to hang out with one of the top journalists in the country, Ashley Banfield. Now, you probably know her from her shows on CNN and HLN, but today you're going to hear about her new series on A&E, Monday nights, 8 p.m. Central, called Live Rescue. Now, Ashley's the host, and each episode places you right in the center of action and drama as first responders react to potentially dangerous situations. Now, Ashley has a deep love and respect for first responders, and if you're one of these very special people, Ashley gives you a shout out today. And she also gives you some Ashley branded tips on how to stay calm in a tense situation. That's right, Allie, and she should know. Mm-hmm. Rachel? Then spend some quality time with Billboard number one recording artist Matthew Mayer. You're going to hear all about his brand new single called Touch, and it celebrates not only the sense of touch, but how people touch each other in little and profound ways as they go through their lives. Mm-hmm. And Matthew shares some insight on the creative process today to cheer you on on your journey. Okay, Allie, bring us home. Well, get out your jazz hands. We sure did. It's part two with Broadway artist and director Max Quinlan. Now, if you're going in for an audition or even a job interview anytime soon, Max gives you some tangible tips on your mental space that you should be in when you walk in that door. Definitely some golden pieces of advice for you today from Max. All right. Well, Allie, before we go to break, you had a classic mom moment this week. Please share. (laughs) I did, sisters. Last weekend on Mother's Day, I was opening up the gifts for my kids, and they each got me a charm to go on my Pandora bracelet, which was super sweet. How nice. Clover got me a little charm that said, I love you, Mom. And Luke got me a charm that's actually two pieces, and one says Mom, and one says Son. And then I was telling them how much I liked it, and Luke was kind of having fun walking around the room, and he was popping open the little jewelry box. Open and shut. Open and shut. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Over and over. And then he said, oh, no. I don't know where it went. So my two little charms were no longer 
in the box. Oh no. They had flown out somewhere. So we all got down on our hands and knees on the rug and I have a black shag carpet in this room. Mm, that's right. So we were looking through all the little carpet fibers and we found the little charm that said son, but we still couldn't find the little charm that said mom. <laughs> so seriously, it was like a half hour later and we still couldn't find it. And Luke was like on the verge of tears and I was still down on my hands and knees looking and then there was this moment where I just started laughing because Clover had climbed on my back. She was patting me on the shoulder and she was saying, come on little horsey, find the charm, find the charm. And I just had to laugh because I was like, isn't this the life of a mom? I can't find my Mother's Day gift. It was lost by my kid. I have one kid on the verge of tears and one kid on my back calling me a horse. <laughs> no relaxing for mom on Mother's Day. You're right. And to this day, we still can't find the mom charm. <laughs> the only bright spot I could see is that I had a great excuse all week to not run the vacuum. <laughs> That's right. There you go. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll stay right there. Coming up after the break, Robert Lamb of Supergroup Chicago. We'll meet you right here on the Mulberry Lane Show right around the corner. This is Bo here with my sisters, Rachel and Allie. This segment is brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology, advanced comprehensive medical, surgical, and cosmetic dermatologic care. BraddockFinnegan.com. Find the harmony right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. I'm Rachel, along with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie. Welcome back. Well, last weekend you heard from Robert Lamb of the iconic, over 100 million album selling band Chicago. He stopped by to talk about the hits and to chat about their upcoming performance at Stir Concert Cove this weekend in Council Bluffs. And right now you're about ready to dive back in with Robert Lamb of Chicago. You're one of the three founding members since the beginning. So, I mean, it can't all be rainbows and unicorns. So, I mean, how did you, how have you not killed each other over the last 50 years? I wanted to. I'm sure there had to have been times. Oh, yeah, I wanted to. Well, I like to think that there's something like wisdom that's come along with maturity. <laughs> right. Well, I'm sure so, that would happen because, I mean, over time, yeah. things tend to mellow out anyway. I just think that individually and together, there's an unspoken gratitude for us being able to make music for this long. Yeah. And for the audiences that still come to see us play every single night. It's mm-hmm. like, exactly. It's yeah. like... It's really awesome, and it's mind-boggling if I think about it. So I try not to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) So now you guys had a documentary film that has become a hit. When you go about doing that, were you guys involved, and does everybody remember things the same way? And then how do you come up? No. Yeah, I'm sure So how do you work something like that out? Well, I mean, thankfully, other than being the subject of the documentary, the director, Peter Pardini, traveled with us for a few years, went all through Europe with us, and he's a real film guy, but he's also a mellow guy, so after a while, we didn't even realize he was around most of the time. Blended in, yeah. In that way, he got pretty much a a spectrum of everybody's take. Exactly. Okay. So now when you watch it, do you feel like it was captured right? I've only seen it once at its premiere a couple of years ago. Okay. In general, I thought it was okay, but I would have edited it differently, just my personal taste. I would have taken some things out. I would have shot certain other performances and not 
a couple of them that were in the film. But again, that's just my personal taste. Right. And, you know, I, you know, everybody thinks they're a movie director anyway. <laughs> so, so, so. Now, you know, you said you watched it once, and then you also mentioned that the early album, you know, it wasn't at the top of your priority list to go back and listen to it, but you're going to now with the remix. So yeah. that tells me, are you a person that just looks forward and doesn't like to dwell on things that are done? Very much so. Okay. Very much so. And yeah. do you think that has contributed, that attitude has, first of all, contributed to your success, and second of all, contributed to the longevity of the band, too? Without a doubt. I've recorded a bunch of albums as a solo artist. I've written with a number of other people outside the band. I listen to a lot of music of all kinds. It's part of being a musician. I believe that that musicians listen to music more than they play music mm -hmm. in many cases, which is the healthiest thing a musician can do. You know, just be be open. All of that has made being a musician, you know, really a wonderful way to spend your life. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. So now you've toured every year since you started, and is it true you've mm -hmm. never missed a performance? I broke my leg backstage at a gig many years ago, I think in Washington, D.C. How'd you do after that? The show, I was playing basketball with you know some of the road crew and some of the union guys. It happened to be a basketball arena, <laughs> but that, that was where the gig was that night. I think we were touring with the Beach Boys. Okay. okay. So after the show, we were playing like three-on-three three or something like that, and I jumped up and came down on someone <gasps> else's foot, Ooh. broke my leg. They took me to the hospital. They set the leg. I think I spent one overnight in the hospital and then well of course the tour moved on from dc it went to denver i think so they put me on a plane the next day and i went to denver and i couldn't play that show elton john happened to be recording at caribou ranch and he had come to the gig and i think he sat in for the encore and i was all i was just oh. still laying on the sofa in the dressing room you know but the next day after that we figured out that was when i started standing up to play because I used to, oh. I used to have, you know, like the many keyboards, I sat down. You know, I talked to my techs, and we arranged the keyboards so you could in a kind of a semicircle, and I could just sort of hop around on one leg. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably why everybody does it that way now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know it came from a broken leg. <laughs> really? <laughs> if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Robert Lamb of the iconic band Chicago right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. I know I don't want to leave this interview without getting the story behind the writing of Saturday in the Park. So can you share that with us? Yeah, that was on the fifth album. Okay. Those years, I carried a movie camera with me. I had a really cool French Super 8 movie camera with a telephoto lens. And I, wow, awesome. I just, you know, wherever I was, I, you know, just... And a lot of that stuff ended up in the documentary, by the way. We had been recording in New York mostly in those years. So there was two consecutive years where we were kind of based in Manhattan. Okay. And I had the camera and I walked through Central Park and that was when the mayor of New York closed the park off to driving so that it sort of became really pedestrian experience in the park. So it was like very sort of hippie everywhere. Yeah, okay. Hippies everywhere making, you know, playing music, that kind of stuff. I just had a lot of that footage and then when I got home you know later in the year I started looking at that stuff and I edited what I had the footage down to a short piece of film and I looked at the film and then I wrote the lyrics according to what I saw on mm. the film so that was it's so like a cinematic 
take, really. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Very, you know, very amateurish, but it gave me those lyrics. And, and that, the feeling of what you saw. Feeling. Yeah. And exactly. was that your intent to take that footage and to write? Um, not while I was shooting it. Okay. Only when I started looking at it. When you looked at it, you got the feeling. You and say, you were like, this is a song. I, this could be a song. Okay. Oh, or this could that. be a lyric to a song. Right. Yeah. So is that your favorite song to play live or what would be your favorite song to play live? Um, it's not necessarily my favorite song to play. I mean, there's a couple other Chicago songs that, you know, I didn't write that I like to play. Uh-huh. Maybe because I didn't write them. <laughs> but, uh, but Saturday in the Park, it's usually pretty close to the last song right. we play. About. 25 or 64 is usually the last song we play. Okay. But Saturday in the Park, I'm always astounded at the exuberance of the audience when we start playing the piano riff in the beginning. Yes. And I do find it, as I'm getting older, I'm probably getting more emotional. <laughs> but, you know, I get, some nights I get a lump on my throat and I, I barely can sing the lyrics yeah. for a minute, for a couple seconds there. I yeah. totally so get just, that. Yeah. Yeah. I do get a lot out of playing that song and I just, you know. And to know amazing. how many lives you've touched, people you've brought happiness to gotta be pretty cool yeah believe me i can see it every night on the faces of i'm people. sure what a neat feeling though I'm sure you can it yeah. is. So, and before it we is. let you go on our show we really like to encourage the listener to stay in touch with their creativity you know to go after their dreams in the creative way so what advice would you have for keeping creativity alive because you know life happens and the first thing to go is usually those moments to create so what advice do you have for that Never give up. Never give up. Yeah. Just think that of being positive and just try everything. Stay open, in particular with music. Yeah. And, you know, any, anything in the arts. Try to believe in yourself. Don't be too hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, make mistakes because those are the most important things you can probably do. Make yeah. mistakes and learn by. Yeah. That's good. Good that kind of stuff. Well, Robert, we want to thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing your heart. This was really an awesome interview, one of our favorites. Well, I have to say the same thing. It's the best interview I've done since the last one I did with you guys. Oh, (laughs) thank you. That makes our heart smile really big. Yeah, well, that made my, maybe my year. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we'll have to do it again next time you guys are through or have a new album. Thank you. All right. I loved it. That was songwriter, Hall of Famer, and Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Robert Lamb of the iconic band Chicago. And back after the break with famed journalist Ashley Banfield. Keep it here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Here's a taste of the cinematic Saturday in the Park. I think it was the 4th of July. Saturday in the park. I think it was the 4th of July. People dancing. Well, 
Dr. Mary Finnegan of Braddock Finnegan Dermatology is here to tell you about Aqua Gold. So Aqua Gold is a small vial that has small stainless steel needles that are finer than a human hair in which we can leave product in the surface of the skin. The procedure takes about 15 minutes for the whole face. It gives a very dewy look, an airbrushed look. There's mild redness, otherwise no downtime at all. Aqua Gold at Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. That's braddockfinnegan.com. Your weekend getaway. Glad you're hanging out here on the Mulberry Lane Show. I'm Mo here with my sisters, Rachel and Allie. Okay, guys, you probably know Ashley Banfield is host and legal expert with HLN Network and the show Legal View with Ashley Banfield on CNN. Now she's hosting a brand new show on A&E, Live Rescue, which follows the first responders as they react to emergency situations in real time. You guys are going to catch up with Ashley right now. Welcome, welcome to the show, Ashley Banfield. I want a show where I can sing. You guys are incredible. (laughs) Thank you. So good to have you with us. Okay, this is a really exciting show. So talk about what viewers can expect as they watch Live Rescue. Well, it is a very exciting show. And I have to say from my heart that as a broadcaster who has worked live for 30 years in television news, this program is an affair of the heart. I can't believe that I get to spend time with these remarkable heroes, and I get to show how heroic their work really is. There's a raw and unvarnished look at the heroics of firefighters, first responders, police officers, paramedics, EMTs, um, EMS operators. It is a treat to be able to shine the spotlight on them and let Americans know how hard they work and how hard their work is. Okay, so now what is your role as host? How do you bring the stories? So how the show operates is we go up live at 8 Central on A&E on Monday night. Okay. We have 30 live cameras that are fired up all over the country in seven different jurisdictions with a number of different agencies and team members. And we go to whatever action is happening. And so for me, my job is to assess through our control room and our producers and our remarkable director where you're headed and what I can give you is context before we head out to the live action. So you're really so in I the moment to, all the time. In the moment. Oh, yeah. Like, I truly, I have no idea the day I am getting ready to go to work what I'm going to be doing. Okay. Wow. And the more bizarre thing is, is that I'm going to be covering people who are involved in emergencies who don't know that they're going to be in an emergency that night. And they're going to have some of the most skilled and dedicated heroes who are going to respond to them and save them. Right. And then to be able to show that and show Americans in real time. how hard that work is in real time without any edits, it's just a, a gift to be able to show that and highlight them. So amazing. Well, if you guys just joined us, you're listening to journalist Ashley Banfield here on the Mulberry Lane Show, chatting all about the brand new show on A&E Live Rescue. Now, you have done so much in your career. You've interviewed Yasser Arafat, been a correspondent at Seven World Trade Center, collapsed around you. You've been on location in wars. And even as you're describing the series, how do you remain calm when there's chaos happening around you? What advice do you have for just any person who is in a crisis situation who needs to remain calm and think and be able to function? Yeah, I think that's a really tricky skill set. For me, I'm lucky to have so much experience that I just 
breathe very deeply, you know, to start with, <laughs> uh-huh. and just keep very focused on the work at hand. Um, for people who are victims of crisis, it is a very different situation, and that's where the first responders kick in because they guide the victims through the moment. And while they're doing their heroic work, they are also ensuring that these victims are stabilized and can mentally handle what's happening. So there are a lot of processes going on all at one time. And this show gives you that front seat because, you know what, it's not just an ambulance going by. It is so much more layered and intricate than that. And this show is an embedded process where you get to see it all. Right. So how did you prepare for this? Did you have to research how all of these emergency systems work? I did. I mean, thank God, you know, after 30 years in broadcast news, I have been able to learn on the job a lot about what they do. But I took it one step further and did a deeper dive just to sort of understand who's who, which uniforms are which. Because when you roll up on a scene, it's hard to tell which one's the EMS sometimes, right? And sometimes it's hard to tell which is the EMS and which is the police officer because these uniforms tend to be similar. Uh You you wouldn't even think about those things. You wouldn't even think. You wouldn't. And, And I have to be honest with you, some of these first responders, they encounter tremendous adversity. Because oftentimes, those who need rescuing are confused, and they right. think that this is an authority figure showing up. And so, yeah. some of these first responders actually wear Kevlar vests. They have to protect mm-hmm. themselves from knife injuries and shootings, and it is an amazing job. They are there to help, but to also beware of their surroundings, because right. sometimes those who need helping don't know who it is that's arrived, right. and yes. aren't always as welcoming as they should be. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Well, Ashley, it's been awesome talking to you. We'll be looking forward to watching Live Rescue Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central on A&E. We want to thank you so much for joining the show, and we'd love to have you back to chat more. Ladies, one of these days I want to join you in song because yes. I love how you sound, and I bang in my past, and I don't get a lot of chances to do it, so you're just a treat to listen to. Awesome. Well, anytime you want to join us, we'd love to have you, and we'll even do a song with you. Yay, I'm in. Sign me up. All right. Okay. Thanks, Ashley. Bye-bye. All right, ladies. Well, that was journalist Ashley Banfield telling you all about the brand new exciting show on A&E Live Rescue. Airs Monday nights, 8 p.m. Central. Stick with us here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Number one Billboard charting pianist Matthew Mayer hangs out with you when we come back. Get a creative boost right here for your week. Back to it here on the Mulberry Lane Show. This is Allie along with your radio sisters, Rachel and Bo. Well, it's all about Touch right now. The new single, Touch, from number one selling Billboard recording artist and solo pianist Matthew Mayer is all about not just the sense of touch, but how we all figuratively touch each other as we go along in our lives. Well, Matthew is here right now to share the latest in his ever-evolving creative career and show that when you stand firmly in your passion, the doors can and will open for you. Welcome Welcome back to the show, Matthew Mayer. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I love the concept of your new single. So it's called Touch. So talk a little bit about what inspired it and how you bring your concept to your fingers and the keys. Yeah, so the Touch album, really, as you just mentioned, it's about that imprint. Um, If you see the cover of it, you'll see a thumbprint on the cover. And it's really to signify that all of our lives, we as individuals touch other people, even when we don't realize it. And that's always been the challenge that I try to portray just through the piano, is Mm -hmm. not only do I want the music to touch you, but 
for everyone to realize that each of our individual lives touches so many others. Right. Uh-huh. Even just passing by someone and smiling or whatever, those little moments of connection, even though we're not aware, might be very significant. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because actually in those passing moments, mm-hmm. those smiles, those brushes of fate that might hit your subconscious, that could actually be the source of an inspiration. So, for example, I was talking last weekend to one of my musical heroes. I had the chance to talk with George Winston last weekend. And he said, you know, sometimes the most unlikely things can unclog your creativity. And he said the word toothbrush. Uh And he says, I might say the word toothbrush and it could lead to something else. So when I thought about toothbrush, I thought about the bristles and then that led me to this wild grass and that led me to South Dakota being back home in my small town of 700 and then it led me to thinking about this concert and oh wait a minute there was a concert that I had an interview with someone in Australia that wants to put a piano in grass in Australia oh I need to follow up with them okay. and that all <laughs> that all led from toothbrush uh-huh and so it's like when we start to open ourselves up creatively and we see how everything is, to your word, connected, mm-hmm. it is truly unlimited, those things that we can take ourselves forward and creatively build. Right. Mm-hmm. So now, speaking of touching people, Deepak Chopra just mentioned yes. you in an article that he wrote. So now talk a little bit about that and how you found out about it. A mutual friend of ours, Kabir Sagal, out of Atlanta, someone who I admire greatly, he's a multi-Grammy award-winning producer. He had actually introduced my music to Deepak, and Deepak wanted to include it in his article, and that one was a CNBC article on jet lag. And again, a lot of these things you can't plan, but you have to be open to. And Mm -hmm. I've built this tremendous relationship with Kabir for years and years and years, and I was just you know, just so grateful and thrilled. And the more I open myself up and not fight against the creativity, but be open, the more these things seem to happen and can happen in your life. So, right. so now, J- just a few touch points away. Yes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> they you, are. You have mentioned opening up several times. And I think as you go through life, it's so easy. You know, when you get hurt, when things right. don't go your way, when, mm. you know, your heart gets broken. So how do you keep yourself open I love that question because I think any creative is going to go through that, right? So like this touch single is releasing 20 years after my first album in 1999. And I can tell you, you can go through years of thinking, well, I mean, even George Winston, he quit playing piano for like four years. He was like, well, I can't be Fats Waller, so I'm going to quit. I went through periods creatively too. Like you said, I'm not getting feedback or the feedback that I'm getting is, you know, it's not what you I'm want, <laughs> not what I want, or I'm not really a classical player. So I'm never going to be successful. Right. And your creative psyche takes a hit. Mm-hmm. But if you just continue to take another step forward, you can say, okay, it didn't happen in my time. But as long as I'm making forward progress, as long as I'm still walking forward, it can and will happen. You keep putting one step in the other. It's just important that you do something. Right. Well, right now, if you're just tuning into the Mulberry Lane Show, you're hearing from number one Billboard charting piano artist, Matthew Mayer. So often in a creative field or any field, you put in the work, you know, you don't get much traction, you don't get much back. And like you're saying, you just keep moving. But I would say in the last couple of years, things have really opened up and exploded for you. So talk about how you view now those years of putting in from where you are now. Yeah, how I view the years that I've put into this point 
is there were so many times where I said to myself, Matt, you're crazy. You know, the solo piano market in the Midwest is not a big market. This makes no sense. You know, you're somewhat educated. You're not, you know, you're like... (laughs) You're not a dumb guy. (laughs) Right. But there was always something inside that said, you can't give up now and you just can't. So to your point a couple years ago is really when the traction started to really pick up. I went through a huge Rogers block from 2011 to 2015. It was huge. It was dark creatively. If I would have stopped, then I would never have my album Beautiful You being recommended by Deepak Chopra. Now, that's just one example. Now, that doesn't mean that I was like this super talented, greatest piano player. It just means that I stuck with it. Right. Sometimes that's all we need to do. But it does help to be a super talented, great piano player <laughs> also. <laughs> you do want to keep up on your craft for sure. Right. But I know all of your history and the remarkable success that you all had. But I get inspiration from what you do and all the talent that you bring on your show. It's the same thing. You stuck with it all these years. And how many creative people have touched you and just who you've had the opportunity to speak that's with? That's so true. Yeah. So now you have to talk about your podcast where people can listen to it and how that's going for you. Absolutely. So it's funny how you talk about just staying with it. I launched a podcast. It's called the Going Solo Podcast, and it's available on Apple and Spotify. And what I do is I also interview people that have kind of gone solo in their careers creatively. And last weekend, I had the opportunity to interview George Winston, my musical hero. And now I'm talking to the guy. If you were to follow all podcasting rules, they would say, well, if you're going to come out with a podcast, you've got to make sure you do 12 episodes a year or people aren't going to... I launched my first episode in 2015, and it was only one episode that whole year. The next year, I launched two episodes because I just, that's all the time I had. But I said to myself, I'm going to get quality people, and I'm going to edit, and I'm going to put a good quality program together. And so the next year, I came out with two. The next year, I came out with three. And you're following your own advice of just (laughs) taking the next step. That's exactly right. And I think you hit on something there, too, because, you know, so many times we think, oh, gosh, if I can't do 12 episodes, I shouldn't even start. And then we get caught up in that thinking so that it keeps us from growing. Exactly. There's an element of distance that you have to remove yourself from rules. And comparison, too. And compare yourself to, oh, they're doing this, so we should, too. And if not... And I've read several of your posts online where you've talked about that, and it is so true. You cannot compare. If you compare, you know, the last three years, people would say, geez, this podcast isn't going to amount to anything. Well, then... All of a sudden, you're talking to George Winston for an hour and 40 minutes, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this never would have happened if I didn't start this four years ago. So So I love your question on timeline, because I think sometimes we want to rush that, but creatively, we got to let things happen. So now, before we let you go, if you were to advise someone, you know, as far as just keeping those creative juices flowing, what are your tips or tricks? My advice would be to listen to that subconscious. Listen to what that voice inside you is saying. Mm-hmm. I think too many times in this busy world, we can stamp that out because you might go on a run and this great thing of inspiration will hit you like, oh, this is a great idea. But then you get back in the mundane of life and you're like, oh, well, that'll never work. Yeah. Right. Right. Be open to that. Uh-huh. Just be open to it. However you pursue it is fine, but uh-huh. just be open to that voice. Let yourself fall into it. And Let yourself be, be touched by it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Love having you back on the show, Matt. You all inspire me so much, and all the guests that you bring to the Midwest, we're truly gifted to be able to have your show. So thank you so much. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Matthew, and and we'll catch up with you right around the corner. 
That's pianist Matthew Mayer here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Check out Touch, his latest music, and you can find Matthew on Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere. And stay tuned for more music on The Other Senses from Matthew Mayer. Part two of our interview with Broadway actor and director Max Quinlan, right after this. We'll meet you right here on the Mulberry Lane Show, right around the corner. This is Bo, here with my sisters Rachel and Allie. like Albert, Albert Einstein. Creativity is contagious. Pass it on. Welcome back to the Mulberry Lane Show. I'm Bo here with my sisters, Rachel and Allie. Well, last weekend you heard from Broadway director and actor Max Quinlan. Well, he's back for the second part of the interview. Get your jazz hands ready. Let's get back with Max Quinlan. <laughs> so now, what is your approach to directing? I want to be in a room with a bunch of people who are all there to have a good time. Okay. And if like that's not happening when we're creating art together, then we're in the wrong room and we're losing the heart of what it is to create together. So I fully bring myself into a rehearsal space. Because I do that, I expect that everybody else will eventually it bring gives everyone permission there. to do the same. Yeah. Really. I have worked with so many great actors and I think that some of the best people are people who understand how to channel themselves through their work on a uh-huh. daily basis. Yeah. And the directors that I have always appreciated the most and liked the most are ones that I'm like, oh, their title disappeared. Okay. So how do you achieve that as a director? If I'm doing like a play uh-huh. where there is literally no music, I'm like, we're going to sing Party in the USA this morning and like dance it out. What I love about that is eventually the music will bring something out of you that yes. you didn't know was going to start your day. Right. And it will also take you out of your head yes. and out of your troubles and away from all the things that can easily bring you back to reality. And, and it'll get you out of your own way, uh-huh. which I think is our biggest obstacle sometimes. So, true. so I try and set up the day with an activity that's going to get us out of our own way, like playing Red Rover, just bringing back to like childhood, childhood things, things that are yes. so silly and open and freeing so that you can have those elements at the start of the day and have an open heart at the beginning so that anything can happen once you step into the show that we're a part of telling. I love that. Me too. If you're just tuning in, getting your creative mojo on with Broadway actor and director Max Quinlan here on the Mulberry Lane Show. So now you also teach a class on auditions. So what is the number one thing that people should remember going into an audition or by further extension, even into a job interview? Yeah, authenticity Mm -hmm. (laughs) is the key word because it's so easy to walk into a room and start performing. Right. And I say that even in the sense of like coming into a room and saying, hi, you can tell whether or not you're going to be looking and interviewing and auditioning an authentic person. Okay. So a really tricky thing about auditioning is that you have all these nerves, you're waiting in a hallway, you're anticipating going into a room that feels very scary, even though you get to go into a room to do what you love to do the most. I think that's what people forget sometimes, is that an audition room is an opportunity for you to work, regardless of an outcome. Mm -hmm. So don't treat an audition as, this is the thing that I want to get. Treat the audition of, this is an opportunity for me to be in a space that I don't have to pay for, um, that I've been (laughs) invited to. Come into a room as authentic as you can be to yourself and then have the space for you. Don't try to please the people in the room. Please yourself. 
Uh-huh. Go in there and do what you know that you prepared to do and what you're confident in doing and bring that authentic person into that space. And I promise the people behind the table will respond to it positively, yes. even if it doesn't mean you're going to get this job specifically. But right. they'll be like, wow, that was a really good audition. And we feel honored that we were able to be here during that time while they did what they love to do. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think Such that's a great perspective. It is. And I think as a performer, you know, so often the focus is on pleasing other people and making the audience it happy is, and yeah. pl- pleasing the director that you really forget about doing a good job for yourself. So I love that. It's advice. really tricky because a lot of times in this business, we have to be given permission to create art. Uh-huh. Um, and we're so waiting for someone yeah, to we're tell waiting us for someone it's else okay. To give us permission right. to say you're good. Right. But like, you have to know that you're good. Mm -hmm. You have to find that for yourself. And so an audition needs to feel like this is an opportunity for me to work on myself. It's not an opportunity for me to try and convince somebody that I'm good. Yes. And convince somebody that I have the right to be here. Mm -hmm. You got to know it. Now, Max, you really grew up in the theater. Uh I was lucky to be born into a family that appreciated and loved the arts and Uh encouraged it. I was raised by the theater tons of different adults with so many different opinions and I'm just kind of like a sponge of a human and for whatever reason I'm also like attracted to older people in terms of just like knowledge and finding out what they've discovered for themselves and what information that I can gather from that. I always tell young people it's really smart advice. If you're working on a show, find the oldest person in the room and just talk to them. Doesn't mean that they're going to be the most experienced, doesn't mean that they're going to have the most knowledge, but they're going to have the most stories. So, you know, a lot of my philosophies definitely are my own, but they're from knowledge that I've gained from watching others. And, and that's because you've allowed work. yourself to be open. Yeah. When I was a kid, everybody was always like, you're such an old soul. And I remember really liking that people told me that. And I was like, oh, that's cool. That means that, you know, I can hang out with the older people and they don't think of me as a kid. Yeah. But what was interesting is when I became an adult and realized I was like, oh, now I'm of the age of the people that I used to connect to. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I just want to be more kid-like. Right? Yes. So I was like, well, I'm just going to hang out with young people. <laughs> you know, I like reversed in my growing, I feel like, a little bit. And like I become Benjamin like Button. more childlike. Yeah. <laughs> I become like more childlike and more free and more open. I, I wonder so I how think, many like, artists and performers have that in common because I feel like I'm kind of like that. Me too. I would say I totally <laughs> yeah. get that. Yeah. It's an interesting thing, isn't yeah, it? it? Like, really I, I just, I've always found that so fascinating. And, you know, I've shared that with a lot of artists that the exact same thing. They're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I kind of did that. I didn't even think about it that way. If you're going to be an artist, there's a joy to art. Yes. And it's really easy to lose that when it becomes about work and when it becomes about life and when it becomes about a career. And, like, never lose the joy that it is to be able to, like, get to do this for a living. Great reminder for every artist from Max Quinlan, Broadway director and actor, here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Okay, guys, now we've come to our favorite part of the show. This is Show Notes. Yes, that's right, Allie. Show Notes is where we handpick what we think were the best pieces of advice from each of our guests today. That's right, Rachel. And our first piece of advice comes from Robert Lamb, one of the founding and original members of the classic group Chicago. Now, Robert said that all of his life, he listened to all genres of music, and he listened more than he played music. And he said that's the healthiest thing a musician can do, just to be open to different styles of music, to be 
be open to anything in the arts and to believe in yourself. He added to not be too hard on yourself and that making mistakes is one of the most important things you can do because you learn by them. Remember, embrace those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Well, then you guys heard from veteran journalist Ashley Banfield. She's the host of Live Rescue Monday nights at 8 p.m. on A&E. She often finds herself observing crisis situations and her advice is if you find yourself in a crisis situation, breathe very deeply, keep very focused on the work at hand. And if you're a victim of a crisis, you got to rely on those first responders who guide you through the moment. And one of the things we want to add is she gave an awesome shout out to all the first responders, firefighters, police officers, paramedics who are there for people in crisis. She wants America to know how hard they work and how hard their work is and that they're true heroes. Some wise words from Ashley today. Okay, Allie, next advice. Lay it on us. Well, then you heard from number one Billboard charting piano artist Matthew Mayer. He had some tips on keeping your creative juices flowing. He said, listen to that subconscious and what the voice inside you is saying. For instance, you might get a good idea on a run and then you get back into your life and you think that'll never work. But he wants you to be open to that voice however you pursue it is fine just be open to it and be sure to download or stream matthew mayer's new single called touch and remember to stay in touch with that inner you that sums it up (laughs) and finally you guys heard from max quinlan broadway artist and director and he gave some top drawer advice on auditioning or going for that job interview now he said it's all about authenticity and you shouldn't treat it like this is something i really want to get he says think of it as an opportunity you've been invited to participate in and an opportunity to work on yourself don't try to please the people in the room work on pleasing yourself Don't try to convince them you're good. Know you're good. And do what you've prepared to do and what you're confident in. And even if you don't always get the job or the part, if you do these things, you'll get a positive response and they'll be glad you came in. I really love that. And you know what? That keeps the nerves at bay too. Sure does. Well, girls, we've come to the end of our show, but there's some really good news. What is it? We get to do it all again next week. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so make sure you're there. We'll be right here on the sister couch waiting for you. Mm -hmm. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, that's a wrap. Baby, take a breath. Just say yeah.